Welcome to this week's episode of The Collective Conversation. I'm joined by two awesome guests this week. We have Miley and Skylar. Do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? Yes, Grant. Well, I'm Skylar, and I am a graduate student at WIU. I am currently a teaching assistant and graduate assistant for the kinesiology department, and I'm originally from Colorado. She's kind of smart. So I'm Miley. Um, hi, Miley. Hi. I also go to Western for a graduate degree. Um, I'm currently a developer here at the church. It's pretty great. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also appreciate uh, Skylar how you reintroduced me. Like, oh, this is Grant, by the way. I really appreciated that because I totally forgot to say my name in the welcome. So, guys, this week at the Collective Conversation, we're going to be talking about alcohol, which <laughs> for some people that's super exciting, and for other people that's like flashbacks and bad super memories. Super taboo. Yeah. So, because of that. It, I think sometimes we make topics a big deal when they're really not a big deal. And I think alcohol is one of those topics, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think we make it a really, really big deal, and it's because I think a lot of people think we have polar opposite views. And so with that, I'm going to ask you guys the question, can Christians drink alcohol recreationally, not like NyQuil? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think so. It's just, yeah, there's that fine line between, or, yeah, you know, it's... A blurry subject, literally. But um. <laughs> that was so bad. I know that was really, I'm really sorry. bad. Okay, so I'm gonna give you guys a brief history on why Christianity is pretty anti-alcohol, or why the perception is Christianity is of Christianity is anti-alcohol. So you guys remember Prohibition? It was a dark, dark time in America's past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun fact: we. Uh, being in Illinois, Prohibition was kind of a big deal just because Chicago had the gangs, mm-hmm. um, like Al Capone and stuff, and they would move alcohol throughout the Midwest through there. Well, there is this camp down in like South Central Illinois that we used to take our students to every year, mm. and they had this giant barn with a ropes course in it. And rumor has it that that was a barn that was used to smuggle alcohol uh, down the Mississippi like River Valley area. So we're out there praising Jesus, but no. like 60 years ago, people were... Yeah. And so anyway, what ended up happening during Prohibition is there was this movement led partially through the original women's suffrage movement and then also uh, through like a, like another great awakening, like a spiritual revival taking place in the United States. And what was happening is uh, all these ministers and all these women were getting really, really frustrated because the men of their communities were not being the men God created them to be. They weren't being the husbands, the fathers, the workers, the leaders, the bosses, um, the people that they were meant to be. And because of, like, economic, like, downturn and just different circumstances that were happening, people were turning to the bottle instead of to the Bible. You see what I did there? The bottle instead of the Bible. And so this, like, push for prohibition to ele- make alcohol illegal, to try to make, make it more difficult for men specifically uh, to turn to that instead of um, to God, instead of to being there for their families. So uh, if you guys have ever heard of Welch's grape juice, Welch's was a Methodist preacher, reverend who was a pretty big voice in this movement, and they ended up making alcohol illegal. And because it was such a, uh, a church-led conversation, ever since then, the church has been pointed to this group, broadly and in general, as you can't drink, or if you drink, you're like closet drinkers, right? Like, you can't do it in public. People mm-hmm. can't know that you drink, and if they do, it's like a select few set of friends that you have. Mm-hmm. And so ever since Prohibition, even after it was turned over, there's been this mindset of Christians can't drink alcohol. Uh, the two of you, um, you got through your undergrad, you're graduate students. 
Um, alcohol is just a part of college culture. As people turn 21, they have legal access to it for the very first time. Did you ever find it difficult to balance like your faith with how you interacted with alcohol while you were going through school? Hmm. Um, I didn't once I turned 21. I definitely knew. <coughs> I definitely knew how to be responsible, and um, I knew my limit. So I knew. Yeah, I just I didn't have a problem balancing between faith and drinking. So. See, and I never had really, the. I guess not battle, but kind of between like faith and alcohol. I didn't have mm -hmm. to really deal with that. Um, because yeah, I didn't really drink until I was legal to do it. And when I did, I didn't do a whole lot. Um, and yeah, I don't really have anything to really go off of how it would battle between the two. Yeah, that's fair. I, uh, as we were talking before we started the podcast, I thought it was really interesting, uh, Skylar, how you pointed out how there was one moment where you actually had a friend who wasn't a Christian kind of give you a hard time and not like in a super judgy way, just in like a, they were, it almost sounded like they were more so confused, like Christians can drink alcohol. Like there's certain faiths where there's just like a strict no to alcohol. Like the majority of Islam says no to alcohol. Um, Mormons for the most part say no to alcohol. That's true. Yeah. Like there are certain faiths where alcohol is just a no-go. And um, there are certain denominations within Christianity that make alcohol a no-go. And I think that also means that other people, especially if they might have grown up like they had a season of their life, they grew up going to a certain denomination where alcohol was a no-go. They assume that all of Christianity is that way. Uh, you pointed out what uh, Galatians 5 1. Do you yeah, have that? Galatians Could you read that? One. Yeah, so I didn't read it, but I'll read it now. Um, <laughs> so Galatians 5 1 says, It is for the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I think sometimes alcohol becomes this thing that we add to Christianity, like the no to alcohol or the rules we put around alcohol. Do you guys agree? Do you disagree? What are your thoughts? Like, make it an unnecessary burden kind of thing, if we're going, like, off of what kind of what the verse says. Yeah, like, it's almost the 11th commandment. <laughs> like, thou shalt not do the alcohol, and then the 12th is, like, thou shalt not do the dance. Like, no dancing. Oh, like footloose. I was going like to say, like, footloose. footloose. Yeah, like, footloose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we do kind of put that connotation on alcohol. I know, like, growing up, our grandmother was one of those Christians that was, like, you don't drink, you don't get your ears pierced, you don't get tattoos, like, all that kind of stuff. And so we kind of grew up with that. Have you done all of those things? Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Have you looked at my ears? Like, yeah, we've got pier yeah, piercings and tattoos. And, like, that was a big thing. Like, we still, we didn't tell, like, up until she died, like, sh we told her it was henna. You guys, so you lied to your grandma? Yeah. In order to save... Oh, yeah. oh, in order to save who? Like her soul? Our mom. Like it would break... <laughs> in order to save our mom because she would lash... Not lash out, but she would like get angry with our mom for the stuff mm -hmm. that we did. So yeah. but that's why we did it. And yeah. alcohol is always kind of a thing. Like even after we were like legal and like Thanksgiving, like, you know, you have like a glass of wine or something at wine. Thanksgiving mm -hmm. or Christmas and she'd always just kind of like sit there and look at us. And, and it's like, you. we're being responsible. It's a glass. <laughs> like, like chill, usually, grandma. Yeah. <laughs> usually we'd have sparkling wine. Grape juice. Like sparkling grape juice, yeah. Which I still have. Like Martinelli's, yeah. a sparkling yeah. apple cider. It's still good. No, I, I really love the, the verse that you pulled up. And we'll circle back to, to your grandma because I think that's a really important conversation. One, and people who are listening, if they don't know you, I want them to assume you have sleeves. Because when I think of henna, <laughs> I think of like, you know, sleeves. Yeah. So... Also, I'm sure your grandma wasn't excited about henna either. 
but uh, it was um, not permanent, so I it was fine. I told her it only lasts for two weeks. Yeah, and it does. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys. So you brought up Galatians one. It talks about this yoke of slavery. Yeah. So what Jesus did when he died on the cross is he changed the way that we interact with the law. The law being like all those rules in the Old Testament, all the stuff about how like you can't wear like mixed fabrics and cottons and materials and stuff like that. And so like for example, piercings. <laughs> People might say Christians can't have piercings. Well, the reason that God was telling the Jews not to have piercings in their culture and their society was that piercings were a mark of slavery. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want slavery in the form that it existed during that time. Mm -hmm. Not like call it like American colonialization slavery, like what we think of, like Uncle Tom's Cabin kind of stuff. Like he didn't want slavery that existed during the time of the Old Testament to be a mark of the society that he was building. And so he said, no piercings and no tattoos, because that would have been similar to, like, if you drive by, like, cattle. If you're in a city, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you're driving by cattle, you might see yellow tags Mm -hmm. on a cow's ear. Mm -hmm. And that would be the equivalent to what tattoos and piercings were back at that time. It was a mark of you were owned by this family or household. And it was a way to categorize you and document you. And it would be like, oh, they're owned by these people, and these people are owned by that people based on their tattoos and piercings. So God said no to that. Not because he's against the necessary, like, piercing of the flesh had more so to do with his heart behind being owned by somebody else and being subservient to anyone other than to him. And so everything else, that all the other laws existed to point out that, like, you're mine. You're my chosen people, and I want you to be representative of me. I don't want other people to see you and think of anyone else but me. So um, what we do as Christians, or what we've done, is we've added unnecessary rules. And when we add unnecessary rules, it becomes religion. It becomes, you know, dang it, I sinned. I had a glass of wine at Christmas. Like, no. Like, Jesus didn't just show up with wine. Like, he sent water, wine, and it was the good wine. Like, it was the best kind of wine, mm-hmm. right? Like, and it was a party setting. Like, sometimes people will be like, well, if you're taking communion, then it's totally okay for yeah. you to drink wine. No, Jesus, it was a party. It was a <laughs> wedding. Like, you yep. ever been to a good wedding? Not like a boring wedding where people oh. don't dance. <laughs> oh, yeah. But in my mind, this was one of those good weddings, you know? Yep. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. So this gets into the second part of this conversation. So we've kind of already established, can Christians drink? Yes. Under what scenario, circumstances, like what are some like pieces of advice that you would give people who are thinking like, I'm a Christian, I have the freedom to pers- like use alcohol and to do it responsibly, but what does that look like? So pieces of advice to give? I guess, or like how do you, how do you enjoy alcohol in a way where you don't dishonor God? Um, so... So there's three points to be, um, to enjoy alcohol, but not like what you said, dishonor God. So when you're drinking, uh, just be self-aware of yourself. Mm-hmm. I guess that's like yourself and your actions and stuff. Yeah, just yeah. What you're doing, and then um, responsibility. Yeah. Like do it responsibly. Like I know that we all kind of laugh because it sounds like a Bud Light commercial, where it's like drink responsibly. But like, um, that's a big part, and I think that's a lot of things that. Um, people, especially college students, kind of like don't really think about because they're like, "Oh, I'm being responsible." Like they throw that term around, but um, really, <coughs> yeah. So I just, I don't know. That's something big. It kind of goes with self awareness. Like you know, you know your limits. You know how far you can drink, or you know you can, you know how far you can go without being um, a complete mess, and still, you know, like still honor God, like you said. So you know, like yourself best, and it's just gonna go off of that. And then the third one um, is just not being judgmental towards other people who are drinking. Um, definitely, like, non-Christians, because this is where it all comes up and comes out of, is they think that we as Christians are judgmental when we drink or when we're drinking with friends. 
and it's just it's not just try not to be judgmental yeah it's hard it's easier than said it's easier said than done for sure but i mean if you don't go too far i think you'll and it goes it wraps all the way back up up to self-awareness so you just got to keep being self-aware not to be judgmental or and be responsible so yeah Mm -hmm. telling a bunch of young adults to be self-aware that's (laughs) But that's probably the most difficult thing that we're going to learn in this stage of life is how do we do that. Mm -hmm. I think the frustrating thing about the alcohol conversation is there's a lot of conversations that we're going to have through the collective podcast Mm -hmm. where we're going to talk about things and how people who don't love Jesus might perceive you. Mm -hmm. What gets really difficult is like the hard thing about alcohol is if you do it responsibly, other people who don't love Jesus see you do that and they're like, yeah, you're fine. You're a normal human being. Mm-hmm. Nobody's impressed by you being responsible with alcohol. Yeah. The conversation about alcohol, what frustrates me is that Christians who think they're holier for not drinking judge other Christians. And there's nobody else in this room, but like in my mind, that's like a snaps moment. Because yeah. the number of friends that I have who are of the faith, who are like, there's like the super churchy Christians, and mm-hmm. then there's like Christians who like do normal life and interact with other people. Yeah. Um, the more relatable Christians. The more relatable <laughs> Christians, i.e. normal. Like, and so I look at that and I go, that's so disheartening because we're supposed to be a place of unity. Because mm-hmm. there are certain scenarios where I go, like, if you're a Christian and you struggle with alcoholism, actually for you to drink, I would probably say is outside of what God wants for you, which mm-hmm. then for you makes it a sin. But just because it's a sin for you to drink because you struggle with alcoholism and you've abused it in the past doesn't mean that it, for somebody else it's inappropriate. Now, because I love you as a Christ follower, I'm not going to drink in front of you or encourage you to drink, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be responsible and care about that person. But that's not a unique Christian thing. If you didn't if you didn't love Jesus and you had a friend who struggled with alcoholism, you're not going to pop open a beer next to him. Yeah. And I think sometimes as Christians we complicate this issue, and then we judge other Christians for not having the same stance on this issue mm-hmm. as we do. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's really disheartening is in when other people who are like are of the faith who maybe are okay with ex- like having a drink or going like to a bar in town, getting a drink and doing a karaoke night and things like that. Then you have the other Christians who are like, I would much rather, you know, not go out, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But when they act like they're better than the other Christian mm-hmm. because they don't do those things, that's when it gets frustrating. Yeah. Because there's a part of me that goes, the Christian who has the courage to be responsible with alcohol and go out with their secular friends and have a drink with them and build community with them and show them you can be a Christian and still enjoy life in this way. Mm-hmm. What you do is you take away the conversation that Satan whispers into other people's ear and say, being a Christian is boring. It's not. It's a ton of fun to be a Christian. Right. Oh, yeah. You know what isn't fun? A hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Skyler, did you have something to say about that? You wouldn't like it, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll say it off the thing. You'll say it off, off the, the record. record. We off will not record. stop recording until you say <laughs> it. Okay. Uh, do you guys agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Do you have anything else that you would add? I definitely agree with that because there is that that judgment, I mean, from Christians, but also non-Christians. Um, I think Sky can probably touch on it more because she's got a lot more like non-Christian friends than I do. Um, but like... There's always that kind of not if, not even if it's judgment, like condescending, kind of like mm, should you actually be out drinking since you're like you go to church and all or this kind of like stuff? your grandma, yeah. Where it's just kind of like mm, yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing that in the eyes of the Lord, and it's like, <clears throat> but it all comes back to the you know responsibility and like making sure you know what you're doing and you're not being stupid. But no, yeah, and I totally agree with you, Grant. Um, like Miley said, I do have a friend. Um, when I like started like going out with them after 21. Um, I just had to read. Disclaimer. <laughs> just disclaimer. After 21. So after I was going out with them, 
And then she found out I was a, a Christian because I was open about it. And uh, she was like, well, should you really be drinking? And or um, like, isn't that isn't that a bad thing? And I'm like, well, no, I'm like, I can still socialize and have fun with you guys. I just don't get too crazy. And I'm actually, you know, responsible and I know when to stop. And I don't I don't know. I just felt like I, I felt like she was like she wasn't judging me, but I think she was just asking me questions. And being like, oh, I didn't know that, but I guess that makes sense with like the stigma that everybody else has put yeah. on us. Like even the, the, the other Christians that are like, oh, well, we're not supposed to do that. So that makes sense yeah, that she would. I didn't that. feel judged at all. But oh, well, that's good. I mean, which is really yeah, which is really good <laughs> on her part. But yeah, so I mean, I don't know where I was. It's all right. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So we're gonna summarize the podcast real quick. So so far we've established that it's not outside of God's like laws or rules or expectations as Christians. To drink like can you drink alcohol and be a christian yes but does it do you approach it differently as a christian than you would somebody who isn't yes is it important to not force your views on alcohol on other christians yes, yes. <laughs> and as christians if you have somebody in your life who because of their past experiences with alcohol should you be aware of that and alter the way you live around them sometimes like if they're an alcoholic mm-hmm. and they're like in recovery absolutely but should you add no alcohol to the list of rules that God put on your life? No, because that's a that rule doesn't exist. It's not there. Yeah. Uh, I think the last thing that I would include is when you interact with alcohol, like why are you doing it? I think the one thing we didn't touch on is sometimes we turn to alcohol instead of God for certain things. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is a whole different episode, but I just think if you're listening to this podcast right now and you find yourself turning to alcohol, like after a long day and you're just stressed and you're like, hey, I need a beer, but it like one beer is six beers, mm-hmm. like – I want to encourage you to just be like, maybe you don't need counseling, but maybe you just need someone to talk to or you need another outlet. Maybe you need like a relationship with Jesus where you turn to him instead. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same thing goes if there's hurt in your life, if there's something going on and you feel like alcohol is the thing that numbs you. Here's the thing about numbing something. Numbing never heals it. Yeah. But that's what Jesus does. And Mm so, you know, you can always reach out to us. You can DM us on Instagram or or message us on Facebook or come to the collective and talk to any of our incredible volunteers or myself. Um, But, I just want to reach out to there because there might be somebody listening to this who's just like, you know, I've been using alcohol to numb myself, and I really, Jesus would much rather see you overcome what's going on in your life than you try to run from it through the bottle. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Collective Conversation. Miley, Skyler, thank you so much for joining us. All right, guys, until next time, peace out. Awesome, thank you. Surely we were recording. What part, what part was I, was I not going to say? Oh, I don't know. Like I shouldn't say this on on.